Thank you, Ben. You may be seated. We uh, begin a two-part message on the prodigal son. And um, if you have your Bibles, you can take them and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And uh, yesterday it was wonderful to hear our brother Kevin Lamaru share a little bit about his journey in coming to Christ. And uh, I still remember the very first Sunday he showed up in church. And um, I was very, very surprised. It shouldn't have been because I've been praying for him for a long time. Uh, his wife uh, made sure I'd never forgot him in my prayers. And to see, uh, to see my, my now my brother, my brother Kevin, uh, found by God and to see him serving the Lord in the church is just such a delight and a thrill. And of course, uh, Kevin's, Kevin's story is just one of the many that are represented here today. Did you know that every one of you today was lost and needed to be found? Did you know that? And, uh, I don't know about you, but I find myself at times almost taking that for granted, forgetting that I was once lost and now I'm found. And I need to, I need to, uh, I need to share with you this morning, before, before we talk about the actual prodigal son, uh, we need to talk about the prodigal father, the prodigal's father. Because the prodigal's Father is really what that parable, Luke chapter 15, is really all about. We've, we've mistakenly called it the parable of the prodigal son. But in fact, the parable is really about the father and his great love. Really, that parable ought to be called the parable of the loving father. And so I wanted to, I want us to look at that this morning and, and, um, and recognize just how very much God loves us. So we, we, we begin in Luke chapter 15, and Jesus is is uh, hanging out with sinners. Just just look at me for a moment. He's hanging out with sinners, and it's really distressing the the Pharisees and the um, and the scribes. and And listen listen to what it says: the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, "This man welcomes sinners and eats with them." They were distressed at that. They could not understand how righteous Jesus would want to hang out with unrighteous men and women. But you need to understand something before we begin. Jesus, his, his own self-proclaimed mission. This is what Jesus said about himself in Luke 19, verse 10. His own self-proclaimed mission is this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Now, I need to point something out to you before we begin this. If you don't understand that Jesus came to seek and to save what was lost, then you will not fully understand the message in the New Testament. You will not get it. It won't, it won't all fall into place. This is the special key that unlocks the understanding of what Jesus does on the earth while he's here. Recently, uh, Deepak Chopra, I don't know if anybody ever heard of him. He's, he's, um, he's a very famous 
a writer on spirituality. He's not a Christian, but he's just written a book about Jesus and speaks about Jesus as, as an enlightened teacher, as a wonderful man, fantastic teacher. I mean, really, really elevates Jesus to great heights. He's a wonderful, wonderful teacher, perhaps the greatest man that ever lived. But he doesn't understand why Jesus came. Jesus did not just come to be an excellent teacher or an excellent prophet. He didn't just come to this world to to do miracles and raise people from the dead. He was sent from the Father on a mission. And his mission is this, to seek and to save What was lost? That is Jesus' mission. And once you understand that that's why Jesus came to this earth, then the whole New Testament begins to unfold before you. It all begins to make sense. And you begin to understand why he does what he does. And I'm going to tell you this, one other thing before we go any further. If you want to understand what God is doing in your life, understand this, that his mission is still not changed. God still is in the business of seeking and saving what is lost. And he uses you and I to do that. That's his most important mission. Now, let's take a look at this prodigal son story for a moment. The prodigal, the word prodigal, by the way, is someone who, who is recklessly wasteful, just Somebody who blows money and doesn't care about the consequences. The, the a prodigal is a real sinner. A real sinner. And so Jesus told this parable to teach the people about God's great love for the sinner. And God is portrayed in this parable as a father, as a loving father. Jesus wants to drive home the, the message that we have a loving father in heaven. And so this, the story goes, a young man decides one day he no longer wants to live under the same roof of his father. He no longer wants to be under his father's leadership or control. Perhaps he feels like he's missing out on life, so he says, Dad, i got to get out of here. Perhaps he feels trapped and stifled. I can't spread my wings. I can't be all that, that I was supposed to be or all that I was meant to be. Perhaps he felt he'd be better off on his own and that somehow he would know how to multiply the wealth of his father better than, than, than his father could. And so he goes to his father and he says, Dad, this is what I, this is what I want. I want you to give you, give me my share of the inheritance. Give me half of the wealth, of your wealth that belongs to me. Give me my share of what I would inherit. And so the son very cold-heartedly and self-centeredly takes half of his father's wealth and he leaves home goes to a distant, distant land, and you know the story. He spends it all. He's got none left. And we're talking, in today's dollars, we're talking millions. Spent it all. And then one day he finds himself so poor, so destitute, that he is actually feeding pigs. Now, for you and I, that's not a big deal, because in Manitoba we've got hog barns all over the place, and we make a good living off of that. But here's the thing, to, to, to the Jewish listener, this would, be, this would be a major blow, a major insult. Because in Jewish law, it says this, Cursed is he who feeds pigs. 
So here, and listen to me, I mean, the, the Jewish people are listening to this parable and they're, they're horrified at, at this son. And this son now is in a position where he's actually feeding the pigs and actually wishing that he could eat what the pigs are eating because he is so hungry. He is so broke. And all of a sudden the Bible says that the son comes to his senses and he says to himself, you know what? Even my dad's servants eat better than this. Even my son, even my dad's servants are treated better than I'm being treated. And so he makes up his mind. He's going to return to his father. And so he gathers up what he has, maybe a few tattered clothes, maybe a few little trinkets that he got along the way. And he goes back to his dad, hungry, unfulfilled, unsatisfied, depressed, in a terrible state, in a terrible condition. And look at it says now in verse 20. Would you read that with me? So the lost son got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Get a, what a picture that is. This is not probably what the son was expecting. But folks, I want you now to get a picture of who your Father in Heaven is. The love that this Father in the parable showed to this, this wayward, reckless, sinful son is the same love that our Father in Heaven shows to you and to me. Now look, let's take a look at, for this, at this, just to understand the heart of the Father. We find that, that our Father in Heaven waits for us. It says in that verse, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Now, obviously, this father has suspended all of his, all of his work, all of his, all of his business is sort of put on hold because now what he's doing is he's just sitting there and watching the horizon, scanning the horizon trying to see if he can see his son returning. This is your father in heaven, my friends, who loves you so much that he waits and waits and waits and waits and waits for your return. He waits for you to come to him. He's scanning that horizon day after day, thinking perhaps today will be the day. Perhaps this will be the day. Daily, he's watching because he didn't want to miss him. And suddenly, it's just a speck on the horizon. The father spies his son. And he goes tearing out of the house. Get the picture, that, that elderly father tearing out of the house, running to that speck in the distance. And don't you think that probably there's a few times he saw a speck in the distance thinking that was his son and ran out there only to find out it wasn't his son. But one day, it was. And there was his son, and he, after waiting and waiting and waiting, he embraced his papa. Now, I've got three children. And I can tell you that if something happened to one of them, one of them went missing, or one of them left home for whatever reason, and don't get any ideas, <laughs> I can tell you that my life would go on hold. And I would, I would be on guard faithfully watching, watching, and watching. And every time that door, front door of mine would open, I'd run to see, if, is it them? 
And every time that phone would ring, I'd run to answer that phone and wonder, is it, is it, is it one of them? He said, this is your father in heaven. He loves you so much that he waits for your return to him. And some of us today, it's been a long time since we've been in the presence of the father. Some of us maybe are in a backslidden state. Maybe it's been a while since you've done your devotion. It's been a while since you prayed. Maybe today you're trapped in some sin, some addiction, some private sin. And you it's been a long time since you talked to the Father. And you're afraid to go to the Father because you're afraid of what his reaction is going to be. And I'm going to tell you right now this morning, my friends, the Father in heaven loves you and he's waiting for you. He's waiting, and his arms are outstretched. I need you to get this into your heart right now. And if you don't get anything else, get this in your heart this morning. You are precious to God. You are precious to the Father. You are more precious to him than anything else. In fact, when you're away from the heart of the Father... There's a, there's a hole in his heart. And it's empty and, and it's a, it's a place that only you can fill. Well, you might be tempted to say, oh, God's got lots of children. He won't miss me if I'm, if I'm not there. There's others that he can fellowship with. God's got many children. He won't miss me. You know what? I've got three kids. If Jesse decided one day that's it, he's leaving home. What am I going to say? Oh, well, I've got a spare. <laughs> i got another one. That's okay. I don't need that one. I'm going to tell you something. There's, there's a, a hole in your heart as a parent when your kid's not near. And so it is with the heart of the Father. You are that precious to Him. And he wants to, he wants to fellowship with you and he wants to walk with you. And he wants you to enjoy fellowship with him because you hold a, listen, get this in your heart because it will radically change your fellowship with God. You hold a place in the heart of God that nobody else can hold. Let me say it again. You hold a place in God's heart that no one else can fill. And I can tell you that as long as you're away from the Father, as long as you're in that backslidden state, as long as you are running from the Father, you're breaking the heart, the Father heart of God. Our Father in heaven waits daily for you to fellowship with him. You know what? I've talked to so many people over the years and say, you know, why don't you just come back to God? And the answer so often is, you know, when I get my act together, when I get it cleaned up, when I'm, when I, when I can get over my addiction or when I can quit smoking or when I, when I can, God is not waiting for you to get your act cleaned up. He wants you to come back to him the way you are and he'll help you with the rest. I can tell you that as a father, I long for my kids. And when I, if there's, sometimes it's happened where, I've left the house early in the morning and haven't been able to get back till late at night. The kids are already in bed and I miss them for the day. And I, there's a, I want to go into their room and look at them. And, and just, just watch them sleep because they have a, a special place in my heart. That's the, that's the father heart of God. You have a, you have a place in his heart that no one else can fill. 
And so he, he, he calls you back to himself. He waits for you. He has compassion on us. Did you know that? That's what it says here. Jesus says this about the Father. His Father saw him and was filled with what? With anger? With resentment? With compassion? Now, this is a son who has blown half of his wealth. And he's got another brother. And his other brother, I'm sure, is thinking, boy, just wait till dad gets his hands on him. He's going to just wring his neck. No, that's not what he does. It's really quite amazing. When this prodigal son returns, the father runs out and embraces him, hugs him, has compassion on him. You know what the word compassion comes from the from a Greek word, um, which, which refers to the guts. Now, only a parent can really understand this or somebody who loves like a parent. Only you can understand this. When it comes to your kids, there's something inside of you that, that, that literally churns when you see your child hurt or in pain. It literally moves your guts. That's, there's no better way to put it. You're, you're moved in the guts. And here's his father, literally moved, his guts are moved when he sees his son. That's so deep his love is. We're not just talking about a pat in the back. We're talking about his whole being is in love with his son. And that is your father in heaven. That's how much he loves you. Now you see, something you need to understand about this father in heaven of ours is that there's nothing, listen to this. Again, this is going to revolutionize your fellowship with the Father. There's nothing that you can do to make God not have compassion on you. It's who He is. There's nothing that you can do that will make God lose His compassion for you. And so, Jesus in this parable teaches us something about this great love that the Father has for His children. Do you want to know something? During the, during the offering, we had Jarrell and Scott and Adam minister. And while they were singing, we showed you slides of various artworks depicting the story of the prodigal son. This is what you'll discover if you do, a, if you do some research on it. Did you know that through the, throughout history, for, for over the past 2,000 years, that is, that the story of the prodigal son is one of the most important and the most featured of stories because it strikes a chord in the hearts of humanity. This idea of a compassionate, loving father reaching out to his wayward son. It has influenced art. It's influenced literature. It's influenced the stage. It's influenced... Music. This idea of a compassionate father. Now, you know, you could talk about all the other religions of the world that you want to, but none of them, none of them has anything quite like this. Where God makes himself known as one who is compassionate. Now, today, if you feel in your heart some condemnation and you feel that you fall too short and that you can't fellowship with God and that you've got to get re-saved, 
How many remember when you were younger, you felt like every time there was an altar call, you had to get resaved, become a Christian all over again? You don't need to do that. When you became a Christian, you became part of the family. And when you became part of the family, it was there to stay. It was there to stick. And you're part of the family of God today. And God loves you and he has compassion on you and he knows your struggles. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your failings. He knows the ways that you drop the ball. And guess what? He still loves you. He still loves you, filled with compassion. Now, if you were this father and your son was returning, after taking half of your wealth, what would you do? You've skimped. You've saved, you've gone without, only to build up this wealth for your children. You've literally spent your whole life building up this wealth and this son in just a short time blows half of it. What would your reaction be? What would, you be, what would your reaction be towards this son who had been so stupid and so selfish? Would you be angry? Would you be bitter? Now, listen here. We've got, some, we've got some parents here today. Your children have failed you. And you're tempted to, to write them off. They're stupid. They're selfish. They've dropped the ball. They're hopeless. God's calling you to be like him, full of compassion, full of love. Embrace that daughter. Embrace that son. And let them know that you care no matter what they've done, no matter what they've said. Because that's the heart of the Father. That's the heart of Jesus. His heart's full of compassion for us. He looks at us in our hopeless state. This, can you just see this prodigal son leaving home with, with camels and, 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 and sheep and, and donkeys and, and bags of money and servants? He leaves home in a great entourage going off to the distant land to enjoy himself. And then you see him come back home again. And he's, he's got no shoes because his shoes are worn out. He's got torn clothes. He's got nothing. What would your reaction be? I can tell you the reaction of the Father. It's of compassion. It's com- compassion on our hopeless condition. And it's, there's, no, there's no punishment No harsh lecture, no stern words, but there's lots of mercy for us, even though we don't deserve it. And instead of rejection, God gives us grace. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart today, because this is the heart of the Father, full of compassion for those who have failed. The third thing I want you to know this morning is he values us. He values us so much. This is the heart of the father. He ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. And it says in verses 22 to 24, listen to this. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. That lost son who was coming home was more valuable to, his, to the father than all of the, that father's wealth. The wealth that he'd taken his whole life to build up was not important as important to him as his son was. Again, let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because you are more valuable to God 
than all the money and all the wealth in the world. You are more precious to him than anything else. This father, seeing his son, he didn't send out some of his servants, hey, go get a wagon and go bring my son home. This father himself tucks his robe in his belt. You can get the picture. An old man, maybe a bit of arthritis in his knees, and he's hobbling down through the field towards his son because his son is coming home. And that son of his is precious to him, more precious to him than anything else. And he runs to his son, and and his son falls on his neck, and he falls on his son's neck, and they hug, they embrace, they kiss because he's so valuable. No stern lecture. No harsh or stinging rebuke. I think sometimes that's why we're afraid to return to God. That's why we're afraid to come to God, because we're afraid that when we get there, God's there's going to be the silent treatment or that God's going to be angry. But that's, that's not it, my friends. You're valuable to God. Has anybody ever listened to country music? Now, almost all country songs that I've ever heard, it's all about you losing your wife, you lose your dog, you lose your pickup. You lose, uh, what, you lose your job. You lose your sanity. And someone once said, if you, if you play country songs backwards, you get your wife back, you get your truck back, <laughs> you get your dog back, <laughs> you get your job back. It's wonderful. <laughs> you know, essentially, that's exactly what happened here. This son lost it all. And here he returns, and this is what the father says. First of all, he embraces him. It's a sign of restored love. He brings him a robe. His wealth is restored to him. Even though he squandered his father's, half of his father's wealth already, it's restored to him. It just blows your mind. It's, it's incredible love. And then he gets a ring on his finger, which means you're never going to be a servant or a slave in my household, son. You are my son. And with that ring on your finger, you will be able to call me father. You will always be valuable. You will always be precious to me. And I don't care what you've done. I don't care how much you've sinned. I don't care how far away you've gotten from God. Nothing's going to change the fact that you are a son and daughter of the Most High. He loves you no matter what. And he fills, he, he kills the fattened calf. They have a celebration. And I want you to know the Bible's clear that all the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner returns. When, when, one, when one lost son is found, all the angels in heaven rejoice and begin to sing because what was lost was found. This son was the prize, the most valuable of all that was connected to this father. I, I happen to believe that this son was valuable to this father's business ventures. Just think about that for a minute. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Our Father in heaven also has a business venture. It's called the kingdom of God. And you are valuable to God in His kingdom. Because you've been given gifts. You've been given talents and skills. And God needs you to use those talents and skills in His kingdom for His glory and honor. I'm going to tell you this today. The kingdom of God is richer because of you. And when you are a prodigal, when you are away from the heart of the father, it doesn't just hurt the father, but it hurts the family business. And in this case, it's the kingdom of God. 
When you're not doing what God's called you to do, when you're not being the person God's called you to be, it doesn't just hurt the heart of the Father, but it hurts the kingdom, the church. It hurts the family. And so... God wants you to, to know, to, wants you to know today just how very valuable you are, how very precious you are. And if you've been wandering, it's time for you to return. Jesus' self-proclaimed message was this. And I'd like you to read this with me. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And I can tell you that nothing brings rejoicing in heaven like one son returning, one lost daughter returning to the heart of the Father. I wonder today if you have a son or daughter that's MIA, missing in action. He or she gave her heart, his heart to the Lord, but now they're lost, or it seems that they're far from God. Maybe you are one of those people who is, you're distant from God. You're not as excited about fellowshipping with him. Can I ask you to adopt the mission of Christ to not give up seeking and trying to save what was lost? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, what a beautiful picture that your Son has brought to us of who you are. There's no way on earth that we could ever know what kind of a father you are if it were not for Jesus coming to this earth and telling us. And God, this morning, our hearts are so filled with wonder and awe at your great love for us. The fact, God, that you are constantly waiting for us to come into fellowship with you. God, forgive us for being self-centered and putting others and other things ahead of you. God, we... Some of us need to confess a, a lack of prayer and a lack of time in the Word. We've been far from you, and we want to return to you today. And we're so thankful, God, that you don't judge or condemn. God, how good it is to know that in our, in our failings, in our hopeless, seemingly hopeless condition, you look at us not with disdain, but with great compassion and love. Thank you. Thank you today, God, that you value us. We're valuable to you. We pray, God, this morning that you'd fill us with a great sense of, of your love for us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.